Welcome to the Gridiron Show and the final Wembley game is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs came to town and they took the Lions to town 45-10. to 10. We'll talk all about that game and we'll have loads of locker room interviews for you. The trade deadline is today as well, so we'll have the latest news from that and we'll review all of the fantastic Week 8 action. What a show we've got. This is the Gridiron Show. You bring that down. You bring that down. I want to talk about the football because all of the football was all of the exciting we forget. I have to stop that right now. I have the option. I can just press stop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in the studio. As per usual, we've got some fantastic stuff coming up this week, including locker room interviews with not only Justin Houston, not only the entire of the Chiefs starting secondary. Uh-huh. But also, kicker Kyra Santos. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) A lot of love came into the pod last week, Ollie. uh, In particular, for you and your dating story. So we need to make sure there's some nonsense in here as well. And there's plenty for us to be talking about this week in terms of the football. Because it was a crazy week. We saw the third highest scoring game in NFL history. We saw undefeated teams lose their undefeated record. Yeah, I want to talk about those. Yeah, we do. 81% of Gridiron fans on Twitter bet on the Packers. To, uh, Idiots. to win that game. I, I was I was pessimistic. I was right to be pessimistic. We will get onto all of that in a little while and plenty more besides. Keep checking us out online at Gridiron on the Twitter uh, for such Twitter polls as who's going to win the Sunday night football game and many more things besides. Get on gridiron-magazine.com to play our predictor game for your chance to win merchandise. And of course, keep checking out Sports Travel Tours, our partners and friends who are helping us with a trip next year, which is very exciting. We've started looking at costings. We've started looking at potential routes. Obviously, we can't make any full announcement until the schedule's out next year of exactly what the route will be, but we'll be able to bring you an idea of what the costs, etc., will be so you can start saving your hard-earned pennies to come and spend two weeks with me and Ollie. Ten Wait, days, is it? I thought this was a really attractive proposition until about five seconds ago. Yeah. No, but you get to go to four NFL games and two college games and a high school game and you get to tailgate and you get the experience of me and Ollie taking you out on nights out. What more could you want? No, there's not much more you could want. Now, my favourite moment from the entire international series this weekend had to be, more than anything else, the moment that Ollie Hunter decided to try and schmooze Cairo Santos in Portuguese. Oi, Cairo. Tudo bem? Tudo. Muito bom, muito bom hoje. Obrigado. Feliz? Muito, muito feliz com o Gabriel. Meu também, meu também, pessoal, com vocês. My favorite is this. Tudo bem? Tudo bem? Tudo bem? What does that mean? How are you? How are you? Tudo bem? Teach me some Portuguese. Well, Gavin, tudo bem? Sim. Bueno. Si, bueno. That's Spanish. <laughs> bueno. Yes, is, uh, yes, in Portuguese is sing. Sing. And uh, you would then say, mm, tudo bem. Mm. Tudo bem? Tudo. <laughs> tudo. Tudo is like everything. Mm. Tudo bem? Tudo. Tudo. Tudo bem? Everything. Tudo. Hey, uh, <laughs> we'll, get on, we'll play that whole interview in a bit, rather than just keeping to playing you that There's a bit in the middle, the though. There's a bit in the middle where uh, Richard Graves and everybody else decides to come and watch me do the interview, and I get really nervous. <laughs> and um, he's he's doing it without a jersey, without a shirt. But as soon as the cameras come along, he has to then go and put on a shirt. So I get really flustered and think, oh, come on, mate. Um, Did we ever tell the story that Paolo Bandini told us whilst we were in the dressing room about a, a defensive room. end, a dressing room, dressing room about a defensive end and his technique for not getting interviewed after matches? 
Nope. I don't think we ever told this on the podcast. But I'm not, not going to name names because that would be against all journalistic ethics. And I'm obviously the most ethical man you'll ever meet. Who is it? But there is a player who plays for a certain team who... Uh, I, no, I've, I've, I even give you the team I'm giving away too much. I just, can tell just tell them. me off air. Okay, hold on. No. Yeah, absolutely. So his technique, if he'd had a bad game, was to come out the shower, drop his towel... And then dress literally head to toe, start with shirt and everything else. And basically, he'd end up at a point where he was wearing his shoes, his socks, <laughs> shirt, jacket, everything else, but still hanging loose down low. And nobody will come and interview you like that. And then at the last second, throw some trousers on and walk out of the locker room. Yoink. Genius. Um, Absolutely genius. Was his name apt? Uh, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> I tried to push Paolo on that this weekend, but uh, he wouldn't tell me. Uh, so Paolo got, definitely looked. <laughs> we've got all our locker room <laughs> interviews and stuff from this weekend as well. Let's just do a little bit of news to start off. It was a, uh, other than the huge blowout, it was a shocking weekend for injuries, which may or may not mean a lot of action ahead of the trade deadline. This comes out on Tuesday morning. We're recording this on Monday night. So something big might happen overnight, and we're sorry if it does and it's not in. So we'll, we'll focus on any big trades later in the week. Mm-hmm. But there are a few possible the trade deadline is at 9pm tonight so just to go through a few of the players who are rumoured to be or may be available in the upcoming trade window okay okay so vernon davis of the san francisco 49ers he needs a new place to, to when, go when asked he? about the trade he said it's a possibility also jared cook of the st louis rams also the tight end he's been terrible this year though he's had a lot of drop passes look like he's had hands of stone i'd be surprised if anyone was willing to pay big for him do you know uh, some good would it be a good idea if we could think of just off the top of our head we haven't planned this a couple of places which would be good fits for some of these trade people it would be really great if we could do that off the top of our heads but we haven't planned it well I vernon just, davis green bay you, do you need a tight end that badly do you think of course we do yeah, aaron well, rogers I mean, lacking <laughs> based on sunday night you need a lot of pass catching hell exactly do uh, you want to know my favorite stat from the weekend uh, in bringing back a feature that was known previously as the statue here most this week and it's really overly annoying. But I don't think you'll hear this one that much, unless I keep saying it. Go on. Alex Smith ran for more yards at Wembley on Sunday than Aaron Rodgers passed for. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So, uh, yeah, well done if you started your receivers in fantasy. <laughs> I'm going to go 10-0 and 0 in fantasy this week. 9-1 nine, nine and one probably. Yeah, I think I went 0-5. Wow. Well yeah. done, buddy. Yeah. Well done, buddy. But if I can That includes the charity leagues as well, I should say. We should do a half, a half mid-season report on the yeah. Gridiron Show charity leagues. Um, so, yeah, those, those are a couple of the big ones that are mentioned. A lot of buzz around the Patriots trying to get a wide receiver. There was even talk about Megatron for the high second-round pick they've got for next year. The trade makes sense for the Lions because he is performing at a level way below where he has been performing in recent seasons. And he's due, I think, a 20 million cap hit this year, $24 million next year. So it makes sense for them to try and move him on yeah. and get that big contract off their books but oh man i do not want to play like that ending up at the patriots we might as well give them the super bowl today the way the packers played we might as well give them the super bowl today <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of talk around the browns um uh, talk of potentially thomas being moved off the line and alex mack looks like a, a potentially a more reasonable one uh, the seahawks should go out and do everything they can do to get alex yeah. mack he's got an expiring contract it's a big contract as well they expect he will buy out of that contract in the off season and look to go elsewhere and look to find big money anyway they picked up cameron irving the center out of florida state with the 19th pick of this year's draft so uh, all of that in indicates that Alex Mack is a genuine player who might get mm. moved. 
Um, and then the Jets need to try and find a QB. Geno Smith got banged up pretty badly. Fitzmagic went out of the game with, I think, a torn tendon in his non-throwing hand. But that means that it's going to be a good three to four week rehab period because he won't be able to hold the ball on. That was snaps, a ridiculous play, wasn't it? I mean, what's he doing? Uh, I know it's. I know you uh, fans love it when the quarterback puts himself on, um, puts himself about and and goes for those extra yards and doesn't do the slide. But when you get injured, it's just silly. It's very just silly. stupid. Very silly. Um, so, I mean, if you look at who's available on free agency, there's obviously Ryan Mallett. Uh, he's an idiot, but he did play under Mike McCagan when he was in Texas, uh, when he was the personal executive there before he became GM at the Jets. And at the beginning um, of the year, he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So it would be mad for, for him not to end up somewhere. And then you've got Matt Flynn, Josh Johnson, Tavares Jackson. It's not a very sexy, it's a, not a murderer's row of available quarterbacks. <laughs> Terrell Pryor, Matt yeah, Sharp. It, oh, it gets, it gets <laughs> real Matt Sharp. God, that would be horrible. Oh, wouldn't it? Um, and a couple, a couple of other names have heard. Uh, Eric Weddle, I've heard, being shopped around a lot. Anquan Bolden. But from what I understand, it's like t someone like San Diego, they know if Eric Weddle leaves, leaves as, a, uh, unrestricted, as a restricted free agent in the summer. Mm they'll get a compensatory pick. So any offer for them would have to absolutely blow out their worth out of the water because they know they can keep them for another eight weeks, let them go for free and still get a pick back from them anyway. So it needs to be above a compensatory level, a second or first round pick, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that'd be exciting. Keep on our gridiron, at gridiron on Twitter, and, uh, and we'll keep you up to date with any information on there. Yeah, we will. We will. Also, exciting piece of news, specifically for me, week 11. I know that's a few weeks away. We don't like to look ahead too much. Sunday Night Football, NBC, they have flexed the Battle of the Gingers into the late game. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Arizona Cardinals has yes. been flexed into Sunday Night Football. And I was just really excited about that. Is this the first flexing of the year? It is the first flexing of the year. I think they can flex. Flex watch. They can, <laughs> <laughs> they can flex now from quite early. It's about week six since the last set of TV deals came through. Uh, but they can only flex. I, I don't have this off the top of my head. I remember reading about it last year. But it's something like they can only flex three or four games a year. So they tend to not flex them early, even though they now can, unless there's an absolutely ludicrous... Like, say, Green Bay-Denver wasn't already the late game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It was a nine o'clock game. You would obviously make sure you flex that, even though it's a bit early, because it's two undefeated teams facing each other. Sure. But it has to be that kind of level of ridiculousness for it to happen so early. Anyway... Shall we move on and talk about this weekend's football? Yes, Chiefs-Lions. Well, I think before we do Chiefs-Lions, it's uh. tradition on this podcast to start off by talking about Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. The Colts playing the Panthers tonight. Uh, the fact that it's... I think it's in Carolina. I'm going to say it's in Carolina, and then I'm probably going to be wrong. It's in Carolina. I wasn't wrong. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I like the way you didn't doubt yourself. Yeah, <laughs> a terrible <laughs> human being. Um, the Panthers uh, taking on the Colts tonight. I'm picking the Panthers at home for all the obvious reasons which we've stated, and we don't need to go into it too much by the time you hear this, you'll know the result. But something we do need to discuss is Ribsgate. What's Ribsgate? Uh, sorry, I've been um, away from stuff. I, honestly, what is Ribsgate? Ribgate is, and genuinely this could be quite a big deal, and it's further proof more than anything else that Ryan Grigson is terrible at his job. But a few, uh, on Sunday night, a media report came out that Andrew Luck had mo fractured multiple ribs earlier in the season. Huh. 
And the problem is he's not been on any of the injury reports with these multiple rib injuries. Now, there's an argument to be said that if he's done it through non-football activities and it hasn't restricted him in practice, limited him in practice or in games, then they didn't have to declare it. That's kind of what's being suggested. Griegson said if people have any questions about player injuries, they should refer to our report, saying he had... Uh, Luck said he had no restrictions or limitations, but sadly that is incorrect. The mm. NFL policy is is that any injury requires the team to list for any player, even if the team is certain he will play in the upcoming game, they still have to list the injury as pro- uh, with probable, but they have to list it. Now, the, the problem with this is what it's obviously turned up is a lot of smug Pats fans on Twitter tweeting every single media organization possible. Like I saw a tweet from Adam Schefter early, which was about something entirely unrelated. And I think it was about something quite serious. I think it was like the injury to Le'Veon Bell or something like that. And then there's a bunch of Pats fans tweeting him going, yeah, but when are you going to tell us what's happening with Ribgate? When are we going to find out what's going to happen to the Colts? Because the Colts could lose picks for this. They could be fined for this. It could be quite a big deal. Yeah. But look, Pats fans, what happened happened. Yes, we all had to talk about it for eight months and we all hated doing it. And I'm sure you hated it more than anyone else because you maintained innocence the whole time. And yes, as a general rule, there was a level of innocence. There was some nonsense, but there was innocence. You're 7-0. and You're probably going to the Super Bowl. You're definitely going to the playoffs and certainly going to go deep in the playoffs. I like the, the idea of the Bengals giving you some trouble, but just just... They're terrible. The Colts are a terrible team. Just point at them and laugh from a distance. Don't get all obnoxious on Twitter. You just don't need to do it. Just, Be the bigger men and yeah. women. As Ron Burgundy would say, if he were in Boston, stay classy, Foxborough. Stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true, because you don't need to do anything. You're right, Will Gavin. Nothing needs to be said here. You're 7-0. and You're going to the playoffs, obviously. Let's just... Just, just get over it. Be, be, don't be children. What I really like Matt there, Sherry. what I really like there, <laughs> is that uh, you probably heard me glugging on my water. I had every intention to put an edit point in there, but Ollie picked up and saved for me. Well done, Ollie Hunter. Right, we talked for fifteen minutes about nonsense already, so let's get on and talk about the games. And let's hear first of all my review of Monday Night Football: Colts at Panthers. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about Monday Night Football, and what you have to remember is at this point, we are uh, about 12, 8 or 9 hours after we recorded the podcast. In about 10 minutes, 15 minutes time, I'm going to discover that Vernon Davis has been transferred away from the 49ers. It's a little bit like Back to the Future 2. You'll get there eventually, but let's, before we get on to the Monday Night Football and the fantastic win for the Panthers in tough situation, let's just talk about the fact that three years after leading the 49ers to the Super Bowl, Colin Kaepernick has been benched in favour of a quarterback back with a 5-22 and record as an NFL starter. The 49ers have informed Kaepernick that former Jags quarterback Blaine Gabbert will start versus the Atlanta Falcons this week. This is uh, incredibly ridiculous. Uh, the, we've gone f- d- from this position where Kaepernick was meant to be the guy to lead our franchise forward. We gave him a huge contract and, and now we're in a position where we're playing Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. The GM and owner... Uh, as Dion Sanders says on Twitter, should have to play quarterback for a game apiece for what they've done to the 49ers organization. Bring back Eddie. Bring back Carmen. Please. Couldn't agree with you more, Dion. I mean, obviously, at this point, we're looking at a, a situation where the 49ers are going to be going into a top five pick next year, maybe even a top two, top three pick. And realistically we need to be looking at what other quarterbacks are out there it doesn't sound like uh, there have been some rumors around the team for a while that maybe they want to sit in maybe they want to get his head in the right space and they will give him another chance but 
They need to be looking at Jared Goff out of the Cow Bears. He's had a fantastic turnaround in his three years there. They started off five and two this season. They need to look at Connor Cook, who uh, has been brilliant in fits and starts for Michigan State. They maybe even need to look at Paxton Lynch uh, as, as a guy who is definitely looking like he's going to go in the first round. There's all sorts of talents there, and realistically, the 49ers are going to be spending this offseason trying to find the new quarterback. Blaine Gabbert is due to start this weekend against the Falcons. The, it's great news for the Falcons. We'll talk about them in a little while. They slipped to a difficult loss this week, and I already thought it was great for them getting to face off to a four, with a 49ers team this weekend. Now they get to do it with a 49ers team playing... Yeah, basically a wet sponge at quarterback. Anyway, I'll stop being bitter about that. Uh, there's one other piece of news uh, that we've already talked about, the trades on the podcast, potential trades. Of course, with that gap, things are going to happen. Alex Mack has said he is staying with the Cleveland Browns. They've been shopping him. They've been shopping Joe Thomas. In a statement he released Monday night, hours before the deadline, Mack said he would not waive his no-trade clause. He has a no-trade clause in his contract. It's included for a good reason. I'm leaving my. I'm not leaving my teammates, coaches, and Browns fans while there's work to be finished this season. It looked like they were flying the white flag. Alex Mack won't be going, and uh, I expect he will sign for somebody for big money in the off-season. So let's get to that fascinating Monday and night football game then and it genuinely was one of the most bizarre games of football I've seen this season but also absolutely brilliant. Graham Gano kicked a 52 yard field goal in overtime to lift the Panthers to a 29-26 win over the Colts on Monday night and remain the NFC's only unbeaten team. Andrew Luck rallied the Colts from 17 points down in the final seven and a half minutes of regulation and both teams exchanged field goals in overtime. Roman Harper then deflected Luck's pass over the middle to Kobe Fleener and Luke Keekley, who had dropped an earlier inception that would have sealed the game at the end of regulation came up with the pick of the Colts 49 four plays later going to hit the winner to extend the Panthers regular season winning streak to 11 games let's just talk about the different facets of this game there are a number of different facets to talk about first of all Luke Keekley making up for that interception he was absolutely brilliant on the night and Graham Gano missed an extra point as well which obviously would have been the difference between a win and a loss he made up for that by kicking a 50-plus yard field goal right at the death. That's got to feel fantastic for them. Andrew Luck was a, a real, obviously, through the interception in overtime. He was a real Jekyll and Hyde quarterback today. Stumbled, looked poor through the first quarter. I mean, in the, in the first half, uh, in the driving rain, Cam Newton and Andrew Luck started with a combined 5 of 20 on passing, trading ridiculous dr- drives with drops, fumbles, interceptions. Uh, there was a bad snap from the backup centre in for the Colts, which led to a fumble, which led to a field goal. Then uh, luck through just a terrible interception, which was picked off by the Panthers. Not returned at seven, but they managed to turn it into seven points from the resulting drive. And the Colts are now one and five with luck under centre this season. It's a real worry considering they go, they play Denver next weekend. They're going to slip to three and six at this rate. And I've put it out on Twitter and we can't make this official without Ollie Hunter in the studio. We have to wait to speak to him as well. But I think that it's probably fair to say that our division of disgrace for 2015 is the AFC South. You probably could have picked it before the season, but if you hadn't picked it before the season, you're definitely picking it now. The other side of the ball, Cam Newton, is just a a different world at times. He had a brilliant game today, despite having uh, the one interception, he had two touchdowns. He struggled in the rain everyone struggled in the rain we even saw uh we we even saw uh, greg olsen drop only his second pass of the season because the ball was slippery it was a difficult difficult set of conditions to play under but when he needed to he was fantastic they let that lead slip late and actually 
they stepped up the uh, the Colts' defense as well as Andrew Luck getting it going on offense. Suddenly, their uh, their receivers started catching passes again, which was uh, something that we really hadn't seen for the rest of <laughs> the rest of the night. They looked really good. Um, Jonathan Stewart, while his stats lines weren't good, he consistently gained extra yards with second and third efforts, and and he looked really good again today. The AFC South, four and sixteen out of division, three and five will is winning you the division right now. That's ridiculous. The Panthers go seven and zero. Let's not forget they won the NFC South, the former NFC disgrace, with a seven and nine record last year. They have to lose nine games in a row for that to happen again. That's not going to happen. Loving on the Panthers, they they won here in a difficult situation. They should have closed out earlier. But brilliant stuff. And again, just finally, a little bit of love for Josh Norman. He made a couple of brilliant plays in the fourth quarter and also in overtime to try and keep this one going against T.Y. Hilton. So great game. Fascinating ending. Got everyone going nuts on Twitter. I think a lot of people probably went to bed before that and will wake up seeing the score today. I'm going to hand back to the studio and to a me that eight hours ago didn't know that this weekend the 49ers are going to be playing Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Cheers, guys. So that was the Colts at the Panthers. The results, a little review from me, all the information. Let's get on and talk about Wembley this weekend. We've got lots of interviews to come up. We've got lots of information. And I think we should start off by... Well, let's reflect on all Wembley games overall in a bit. But let's just start off by talking about the games. The Kansas City Chiefs absolutely blew the Detroit Lions out of the water. The Lions scored on their opening drive with a field goal. The Chiefs then went on to score. I think it was 30... I I want to say it was 34 unanswered points. Maybe not. Maybe it was 31 unanswered points. Or 38 unanswered points. Something like that before... The Chiefs it was a certain amount of points. I think they scored a lot. I think they scored 38 <laughs> unanswered points before the uh, Lions came back and scored a late garbage time touchdown, and the Chiefs finally made the score 45 to 10. Uh, Alex Smith threw for 145 yards and two touchdowns, ran for 78 yards and a touchdown to lead the Chiefs to the win. The big news for me was the fact that, the, first of all, the Chiefs' defense looked genuinely legit since Sean Smith has come back, and that somehow the Chiefs they didn't score a return touchdown. They got two picks. One was a tipped and one was just a terrible throw from Matt Stafford. They, they didn't have any returns. There were no kickoff returns. There were no fumble recoveries. You know, there were no freakish touchdowns. So they scored 45 pure points of offense and still looked boring. Uh, they really did, didn't they? Like, they, I mean, and I'm talking, uh, you know, Deontay Thomas with the end around. Shakandrick West scored a touchdown. Uh, we had Travis Kelsey score one. Macklin score one when the Spencer, Lions left. Yeah. Stephen Tullock in coverage. Of their best receiver. How stupid can you be? Actually, it was a really good throw, though, from uh, from Alex Smith. Uh, Spencer Ware ran in. Uh, who? Spencer Ware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That helps nobody, as Adam Rank would say. Yeah, exactly. So Spencer Ware ran one in, but it still was a, just a bit drab. Yeah. The Chiefs, I mean, it, it, the, the Chiefs were... Uh, right, I want to say... It hummed. I love the Chiefs, because I love their defence, I love their coaching... And I love their fans. And Wembley was banging on Sunday. Absolutely brilliant atmosphere. Oh. It's a shame the game killed it off a little bit as it went on. But Andy Reid said that it was as much like a home game as he could have ever imagined it would be. It's a close, and Sean Smith will tell you a little bit later on, that this is the best stadium he's ever played in outside of Arrowhead. Hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I've ruined that interview. That's the best bit of that interview. So, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Um, 
But the Chiefs, I, I, away from their offense, and they just basically, they were, they moved the ball, they were efficient, they were 7 for 11 on third downs, they didn't really do anything wrong. Alex Smith, when he was pressured, scrambled and ran for more yards than he's ran for ever before in his career. But it wasn't an exciting performance from them on that side. On the defensive side, it was a great performance. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Or? Yeah, no, no, I'm just. <laughs> I just like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll keep rolling. That's no, fine. no, no. I'm just sorry. I'm just. You were going. You. It seemed like you're in a roll. It, it was. They were. Um, there was six sacks on Matt Stafford. Uh, breaking up passes. Uh, pressure on Matt Stafford all the time, uh, stuff in the box so that uh, Abdullah, Joy Bell, for the most part, can can get anything going. Hashim Ad- Abdullah was the best Abdullah uh, <laughs> in the stadium. Uh, they were, but they were absolutely fantastic to a man. I can't really think of a. You know how in baseball they have errors. I couldn't really think of an of an error. No, and then the player in particular was Sean Smith, who was fin- so phenomenal oh. in coverage. His coverage on uh, Calvin Johnson on a fly route on the left hand side was pro bowl, if not all all pro level from him. He since he's come in, in the last three weeks, he has changed what this defense do. And actually, let's let's do this. Let's hear from Justin Houston, the captain of that defense, the leader. If you've got the latest Gridiron magazine, you'll have read Simon Clancy's fantastic feature on Justin Houston. So this is only a very short interview. He was due to go to the podium anyway, uh, but I managed to just grab a couple of minutes with him, basically, because I had a copy of the magazine and I showed him he was on the cover. Uh, So this is just Justin Houston talking about what that defense has done. Justin, I know you're going to the podium, but you are the the cover star of our magazine this month, Gridiron, so it'd be great to grab a minute with you. We, uh, We suggested it needed to be divine intervention, that you need to step up as a defence, yeah. and today it seems to do it in a big way. What's been different the last three weeks? Man, I, I, it's, it's just a team effort. Uh, we, we, I know we started off the season struggling, but we just we never got out of it. We know what we can do. We always believe in our, what we got. We know we got a great team. We just we can't put it together, and we finally, we, I think we're clicking and we're putting it together right now. It was a slower start to the season, but you've got four and a half sacks in the last three weeks. What have you personally changed in those three weeks? It's a defensive effort. Uh, they're, they're, we're doing a great job covering downfield, so anytime you can do covering downfield, make the guy hold the ball, it's a great opportunity. How big has it been having Sean Smith back? He had a hell of a game today. Oh, that's a, it's a great job. He can, uh, anytime, he, he's one of the guys in coverage, so anytime you can make the quarterback hold the ball, that helps us out up front. Now you moved to just two games off the uh, 500. There's only five teams in the AFC currently above 500. Is there a thought that this Chiefs team can turn it around entirely? Oh, there's no doubt. Without a doubt, we know we're going to turn it around. Uh, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, so that's our goal. And how's your trip been to London overall? It's been a great trip. We enjoyed ourselves. We, it was a business trip. We came over here for business. We took care of business, so it's time to go home and have fun. And you're going to do it? Well, you say have fun. <laughs> have you got any big plans for the bye week? Uh, no, just recovering and rest up. we got a long season ahead of us. we got still got eight more games, so we got to finish off strong. Beautiful. Justin, thank you for your time. No problem. Yeah. As I say, it had to be a quick one because he had to go to the podium, so I couldn't go too deep with him, but he said some very interesting stuff in there nonetheless. Oh, my God. When you asked him what what was the difference, you know, he didn't say it was the pass rush or anything. Well, I mean, he's got a pick on the... He had a pick on the day. Yeah. He had four and a half sacks in the last three games, and genuinely, Tamba Harley's got three sacks in the last three games. Suddenly, that defence has come to life. Yeah. And he put it all on the coverage. All on the coverage, which has allowed him and Tamar Ali and, uh, and others to do what they're good at, do what they do. And, I, you know, you said it afterwards, he's the nicest, the, of the nicest person that you could possibly meet. So, we want to we talk about that coverage, we want to talk about that secondary, because we actually have interviews with not just uh, the aforementioned Sean Smith... Not also safety Ron Park, who had two sacks on the day. Not only safety Eric Berry, who talked to us about his recovery from Hodgkin's lymphoma and how big it's been for him to get back in there. 
but also from Marcus Peters, the rookie who we think might be defensive rookie of the year. All four starting members of that secondary, we've got an interview with all of them. So we're going to package that into a nice little sexy, all-together, six or seven minutes hearing from all of them. And who says defence isn't sexy? Well, it is. And just to say, Mike White does most of these interviews and is a hero. I love Mike White. I just want to put that out there. Mike White Sport, at Mike White Sport on Twitter. Go and follow Whitey! Me. But before we do that, let's just talk about Justin Houston being a lovely man. Yes. So I... <laughs> yes, please. I want to hear it again. So, so, I went down, so I went down to the locker room. I grabbed the interview with Justin Houston and I grabbed Sean Smith while I was there as well. And uh, Matt Sherry had brought me three copies of Gridiron with me, which I was going to give out to uh, the guys from the Chiefs media. I'd spoken to them earlier in the week, etc. And so I was going to give them so they could have a look at the feature. I realised I'd left it upstairs by the desk in my bag. You're a disgrace. <laughs> the way the press box works in Wembley is there's a west side and an east side. The locker rooms are by the east side, I think that's maybe right. Down, down about five or six flights of stairs, and then down into the locker rooms. We're li- like, it's fucking nosebleeds. Sorry, pardon my French. <laughs> it really is. So I had to run, and I mean run, <laughs> up six flights of stairs, two steps at a time, run down the length of Wembley to get the, so, you know, 80 or 90 yards down to where our bag was at the far end get them out grab a water from the vending machine to, to, to down and then run back again found out when i got back that justin houston had just come off the podium and started walking to the team bus basically chased him out of wembley stadium past where the pitch side access was down to a little area out the back where they basically go and meet all their friends and family and there's uh, they, there's like a little barrier there fans can go and get their stuff signed if the guys are happy to come over and chat to them and, oh, wow, and get their flag signed and stuff like that. it's really great actually yeah, it's worth, yeah. if you're an nfl fan and you weren't aware of this i wasn't aware of this and i'll try and work out where it is on the stadium and we'll tell you for next year um but i, I chased him all the way down and on, honestly if you've never actually seen me i am a big bastard like, literally two two of me yeah and I, and <laughs> I do not do running well so i was out of breath and dead to the world when i got to him but justin houston posed for a picture with the magazine took a copy off us and read it signed another two copies and because i didn't have a pen i had to get a, a pen off one of the guys in the crowd to borrow to get him to sign those two copies and then after we got him to sign that i said he said to me where did you get the pen from and I said, oh, it's from uh, one of the guys in the crowd. And I guess he he had a big lot of friend and family there. So I don't mm. think he'd been over and done signing and everything. So he went, which guy? And I was like, that guy over there. And he went, bring me his flag. <laughs> so I went and got the guy's flag, took it over to Justin Houston. I offered him my back to sign it on. And he went, no, nah, man, it's all right. I've got big hands. Amazing. <laughs> Put the flag on the palm of this giant. It's like a, a, a half pound burger with sausages off it, but made of muscle. And he just put the flag on it, signed his name, handed it back to me and was like, thanks, man. What a, just a lovely, lovely man and really made me root for the Chiefs even more. Now, let's hear from the rest of that defense, though, who were so impressive at the weekend. And so we'll kick things off with safety Eric Berry. We'll then speak with Sean Smith, Ron Parker and finish things off with Marcus Peters. Eric, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, given all the personal challenges you've faced, how good is it to just get back into football and experience victories like that? It's great, man. Just being around my teammates, you know, you cherish the little things, even the flight over, uh, spending time with them. And getting the dub is just the icing on the, t- on the cake, so uh, we're just going to keep moving forward and keep trying to get wins. Is it making you appreciate things more as well? Oh, definitely. I appreciated it before, but now it's just a whole different level to it. So I'm very thankful, very blessed, you know, and I'm happy about it. It's great to see you looking so well and out there and playing. What about that game today? Uh, it was a great team win. I think Coach put a great plan up for us as far as, you know, what we were going to do when we got here, giving us um, enough rest, 
you know, it was a tough schedule, but, you know, we just trusted in them and just kept moving forward. So I'm glad we got the win. Now we're going to enjoy the uh, flight home. Yeah, what did you think when Coach said to you we're going to fly in on the Friday? you thinking, oh, come on, jet lag. Nah, I mean, we knew, we knew what we were going to face, but we knew the other side was going to face the same trials and tribulations. So we just wanted to make sure that we were focused on what we could control and uh, go from there. Just listening to the banter, listening to you guys. You were working at the time difference for flying back. Marcus Peters all there. Does that sum up the mood at the moment? Given the difficult start that you had, does it sum up that there is some great spirit in this locker room? Oh, yeah, man. We've, we've been through a lot as a unit, as a team. So, you know, we just try to have a good time throughout everything. You know, life's crazy. Football can be crazy. But as long as we got each other, we're just going to keep pushing forward like that. What about the defensive performance? Um, man, I think it's it's been coming along because of the stuff we've been doing outside of football. You know, we spend a lot of time with each other, you know, going out to eat, going to movies, and, you know, just having that bond. So it's been translating onto the field, so it's just been pretty cool. And the offense stepped up as well. You've had to face the challenge there with Jamal Charles going down, but what did the offense do in terms of stepping up with his absence? Man, it, it, we just knew that we had to get it done somehow, some way. And uh, I think they've been doing a great job. And we just keep trying to play as a team, handling what we can as a defense, special teams and offense handling their own. And we just pick up the slack wherever we need to. So we just keep using each other to push forward. Was it hard not to get deflated when he went down? Man, it definitely was, man, because he's a big part of our, our team. But just as a person, man, you know what type of person he is. And me and him actually got injured the same time a few years ago. And uh, we fought through the same injury. So... It was just tough seeing him go down, but I know what type of person he is, and I know he's going to fight back even stronger. Final one, because I know you're trying to get ready, and thank you for the time. Um, how much did Wembley, not what say equal it, but how much did it get close to the atmosphere of what you can generate? Oh, man, you can't, you can't, you can't compare <laughs> either one of them, man. This is it was a great experience just coming over here, the hospitality, the fans, the passion. I mean, it was just great. It was great. The whole overall trip playing out there on the field, flying over, and just being in the city before the game, too. I mean, it was just, it was a great experience, man. I can't I can't even explain it. Did you play for a team here? Man, right now with the KC Chiefs, baby. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Yes, sir. This is my, the greatest stadium I, besides Arrowhead that I've ever played in, in my life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that out there. Besides Arrowhead. The second greatest stadium I've ever played in my life. I mean, I loved it. Loved yeah, it. they were rooting for you guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. I seen the flags and everything. Look, it was great. How close did it feel to a home game? It did. It was home. Home home for me, at least. I loved the whole thing. I think that was a big thing for the uh, UK fans. Is they were surprised to see you give up a home game to come over to yeah. London because Arrowhead is just such a positive atmosphere yeah, out there. It's an incredible game. So for you guys, how big is it to win over the UK support? Oh, it was, man. It was huge. Like I said, I, I take my hat off to them. They came out here and cheered their butts off today. It felt, it felt like a soccer game. I've always watched soccer and seen the crowd and wanted to know what it felt like. I'm pretty sure that was it. The man here said it. You look like you were having fun today. You've come back off the injury the last three games. This defense has suddenly stepped up in a big way. What's been different in the room? those last few weeks just being realistic about the situation I mean it's just like I was telling him this defense is loaded with talent there's no excuse there's no reason for us not to play at an elite level you know what I mean regardless of what's going on on that side of the ball we should be holding the guys to about 13 points and under at least you know what I mean so once we all bought into that mentality we just came out here and played you knew yourself had a big big game in coverage today was, were you pleased with the looks you were seeing from the offense because the fact is is when the new offensive coordinator comes in the same week you never know what you're going to see, and it seemed like you 
saw what he wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing about this is that their playbook can't change. Somebody just may call one play more often than the other person. You know what I mean? Um, there's so many routes you can run inside the offense. I mean, you know what I mean? So with that mentality, if we went out there and just played our game, everything else would take care of itself. And when you go up against a guy who people call a future Hall of Famer in Calvin Johnson, and you restrict him in the way you did today, what does that feel like? As it was fun. Oh, it's, it's always a challenge when you go with that guy. Um, you know, to, to be the best, you got to play against the best. And, you know what I mean? I definitely got a chance to, to test my skill against him, and we went back and forth, and like I said, it was, it was fun. And I just want to ask you about the other guys in your secondary. See, having Eric back this year has been big for you. Marcus has stepped up in a big way in his rookie season. This seems like a really tight unit. Hey, I mean, look, from top down, this defense is a family. We're brothers out there. Uh, we are not co-workers. We come out here, we, 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 we have fun with each other, and, and we enjoy our each other's company. <laughs> it's a real pleasure. Yeah. Enjoy the flight home. Appreciate it. Ron, congratulations on the win. Your first double sack game. How much does that mean to you? Um, it, just, it just means so much to me, man. Uh, my, my, my linebackers and my linemen, when I got the sacks, they, they came up to me like, man, this you act like it don't mean nothing to you, but I try to take a try. I was trying to get more. So um, this means so much to me. And just add on to uh, what we got going on right now as a defense. Yeah, what was the key to the win? Uh, the key to the win was just us playing great defense. We played great ball on the special team. The offense moved the ball. And uh, we got off the field on third down today uh, as a defense. So we, I think we did a good job of that. And, uh, we got a couple of three and outs, and we just kept playing ball. We just have, had a lot of fun out there today. Were you surprised how much space you were given to be able to get at Matt Stafford today? Uh, not really. Uh, I think we did a good job disguising our blisters as a whole, as a defense in whole. Uh, earlier all week in practice, coach was telling us disguise our blitz, hold it. So um, we did a good job of that and just confusing them, giving them, giving them different looks. So we were making it hard for him to read, read the defense, and uh, we did a good job of getting to the quarterback today. And on offense, they stepped up for you as well. How, how crucial was that for you to be able to turn what you guys were doing into points as well? Man, that was real crucial for the offense to step up like the way they did today because uh, we all feed off each other uh, in this organization. So if the offense playing great, we as a defense as a defensive team, we, we feed off that, and the special teams feed off it as well. So I think the offense did a good job today uh, moving the ball and, and putting points on the board. How have you found this experience, London, Wembley, the whole thing? Uh, this is my first time coming over, man. I love it. It, it was a great experience. It's far from home, but I, I love the people out here, man. It's great. I just want to win, man. That's it. I just want to win. So hopefully we can keep, keep this winning, keep winning streak up and have fun. When you win, everybody have fun. So... Yes, I just want to win. Top man, thanks for your time. Uh-huh, thank you. Marcus, congratulations on the win. Mm -hmm. Sum that up for us. It was fun, man. You know, it, it, it was, it's a, a great experience, you know, for us to uh, come over here to London and for you guys to show the hospitality and, and, and to come out and support, support the uh, NFL. You know, it's a big thing for us, you know, so um, thank you, guys. Okay. What worked for you today? Um, we came out here with a purpose, man. You know, our purpose was it wasn't just to come to London and to get the experience. It was to come to London and to get us a win. You know, we, we started the season off slow, man. And um, we're building it. Our, our mindset right now is to take, take one game at a time. You know, so we, we need to get this one in the bag. Was it as comfortable as the scoreline suggests? Yeah, it was. It, we, we were all comfortable, you know, because we, we, we have each other's back. You know, we, we, we went out there and we played three. The whole complete game of football, all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams, you know. So that's that's the that's the big part for us. Just across from us, the number 21. He's yeah. going to take some of the credit, I think, for what he did on that side as far uh -huh. as the numbers. But as a partnership with what the two of you were able to do with keeping their wide receivers quiet, how big was that for you today? Um, it's always huge, man. You know, um, as as secondary, we, we put a lot of stress on, on us to uh, – it's, it's on us, you know, um, you know, to, to stop them. So that was big for us today. 
to keep someone like Megatron, Calvin Johnson, as quiet as you did? I know he put a, a few yards on, but yeah. to keep him quiet like that, mm-hmm. what did that take? What, were you, what was the message going into the game? Uh, it took a, a, 11 guys on defense. Uh, it took everybody to run to the ball. It took everyone to uh, just to be there and to be on top of their P's and Q's. Given the way things are in the AFC West, mm-hmm. where does this leave you now going into the bye week? Um, it leads us right to where we want to be. We, we come off this bye, we're, 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 uh, we're healthy. You know, and we, we get back, we, when we get come back from this bye, we, we have Denver, and it's, it's, t- it's time to uh, just, just take it one game at a time, continue to, to just to stack a brick, as we say. A team that could still be undefeated, depending on what happens in the game against Green Bay. How are you viewing that one off when you come back off the bye? We haven't beat them in a long time, you know, and and, it's, and we're not going to, to, to go into Denver to play their game. We're going to, to play our game, uh, uh, our, our brand of football, um, and... And play a complete game all three phases, you know, like we did today. How much does that frustrate you, knowing that they have had the Indians mm-hmm. signing? Um, it doesn't frustrate me at all. You know, we, we're we're right where we need to be. Uh, we're we're in a good spot, and we're all playing. We're playing good ball right now. Mm-hmm. What gives you that confidence when you are still trying to get yourself into a winning record? I I got 100 percent confidence in in this 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 team and this organization for us to bounce back. You know, uh, we made some some huge steps by uh, by uh, getting two um, two wins back to back. You know, so we just take it from here and we learn from it and we go back to, uh, when we get back to the states tonight and we 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 look at the film. And we just continue to uh, grow and to get better. Yeah, you've spoken about the London experience. Let me ask you specifically about the atmosphere out there. A lot was made about you giving up a home game, and, the, and particularly the Arrowhead yeah, atmosphere. Yeah. How much was it replicated with the noise that was built, the music, and everything yeah. else today? It was amazing, man. The atmosphere was amazing. You know, to, to see how much the game is 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 expressed all around America and and, and all around the world. I should say, um, it's it's amazing. You know, for for to get the support that we get get over here. You know. Did so hopefully have- one day there can be a team up over here. Would you support that? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, um, if 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 NFL decides to get a team over here, you know, it'd be a great thing. You know, the 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 people come out and, and they support very well, so it'd be a good team. Has the knowledge surprised you? Because I get messages all the time from Americans saying, "Do you guys really understand it? Do you like it?" <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it, it's similar to rugby. You know, it's just the special teams aspects of it. I should say that's that's a little different. You know, so it's still offense, defense, running and tackling, blocking and executing and putting up points on the board. So, you know, it's similar. So it, it, it doesn't um, surprise me that you guys are up to speed. As Eric Berry, Sean Smith, Marcus Peters and Ron Parker, not necessarily in that order because I haven't edited it at the time we're talking about this, uh, all talking to us. <laughs> but you heard from them all. <laughs> in the locker room after the game. The Chiefs go into the bye week this week. And yes, we asked the question because I think you almost kind of have to ask the question about how you're going to do going forward. I do genuinely feel like the Chiefs have got plenty of quality and should be doing better than they are, but they've got to go to the Broncos off the back of their bye. We saw what they did to Green Bay at the weekend. That's a really tough game. Off the back of that, they've got the Chargers twice, the Bills, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Raiders again. Theoretically, if they play as well as they did on Sunday, whilst the quality of the opposition isn't quite as low as the Lions, they've got seven winnable games off the back of that Broncos game. And in an AFC where if you go 9-7... and you should yeah. you should theoretically make the playoffs this year because it's pretty even down there and it's all a bit of a mess. There's still a possibility for this Chiefs team. I think it's too early to write them off entirely. I still seriously doubt they're going to make it. 
But, you know, let's just keep an eye on that situation. And if they do, we'll ask Justin if he'll come back on the show again. Yes. <laughs> Love you, Justin. Uh, the Detroit Lions, however, we should mention. There were two teams playing in this game at the weekend. The Detroit Lions got rid of Jim Are Bob. Are you sure? <laughs> got rid of their affair. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. They stayed. They may have stayed in Detroit and just sent out ringers. It might have been the <laughs> London Blitz out there in Lions jerseys. I really don't know. But the Lions came to not play on the day. I mean, Jim Bob Cooter uh, came in as the offensive coordinator. Basically, as you heard Sean Smith say... It doesn't matter that a new offensive coordinator there. I said, how do you game plan when you don't know what they're going to do? He said, well, they can't install a new playbook in a week. So we know they're going to run the same plays. It just might be that they run one type of play more often than they'd run another type of play. But it's still going to be the same plays. We're still going to have video of them doing those plays, tape of them doing those plays. So I'm still going to go back and study it, and I should still be able to get the looks. And that obviously worked for him at the weekend because he got to cover Calvin Johnson like an absolute boss. Um and they did, just didn't look like a team who were ready to play. They've got to go to the Packers off the back of their bye week. A Packers team who are angry and hurting right now. Yeah. I, I, I think the Lions are going to be picking in the top three or four picks. Well, they're one in seven at the moment. Um, they, I, I, no, let's put it, let's just say, it, I think they're picking number one overall. And yeah, you don't need the hysterical music there. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no. At, at the Packers, to the Raiders, and we'll talk about them in a bit, then the Eagles, the Packers again, the Rams, the Saints, the 49ers, and the Bears. In fact, they've got two cupcakes at the end there. Might just about help them out of the first pick. I don't know. They Who's... could, they could assign the 49ers to the first pick by beating them with that. Game. I think, I think the Bears are a better team than the Lions. Yeah. And the 49ers at Candlestick, something something else <laughs> that might... would be miraculous considering they've knocked half of it down oh sorry and um yeah the fact that we'll be going to this <laughs> yeah uh, i mean news. you can you in february you can go to candlestick park and report from there yeah, yeah. i'll go to levi's yeah i think that's a great idea but do you know <laughs> they could lose every single game Oh, that is horrible. That's really horrible. Oh. And there's not a huge amount to say other than that. I mean, they, they, the looks on defense were obvious. They didn't get enough pressure. Matt Stafford uh, has regressed more than any other player in the league over the yep. last two years. I would rather have Jay Cutler than Matt Stafford. I, I was so vehement after week one that Amir Abdullah is not a player worth getting excited about because of one play in preseason. And he only got one touch this weekend. Yeah. You know, Theo Riddick was in the backfield far more often. It's part of that's nature of the play they're passing the ball a lot he's a better passing down back but yeah I, and then calvin goes down injured in the fourth quarter we don't know much about that ankle injury it looked more like a sprain than anything too serious but honestly if they're going to lose their best player at this point in the season they're done skis the lions are not a good football team no they and I, they we even said it, i was working with the lions radio for for this weekend's game and the conversation I had with the guy, uh, with uh, Dan uh, Mike, who is the lead commentator, is look, the NFL realistically is three or four terrible teams, three or four brilliant teams, and then kind of 26 teams, 24 teams, that's much better maths, who are in the middle, who could rise up, who could fall down. And, and I think when I say that, I mean a team like the Falcons falls into that middle group uh, and, and could potentially rise up to being a great team but could also fall back down. A team like the Vikings does that. Now at 5-2, and two, they could rise up. There's, there's that kind of mesh in the middle. The Lions, along with the 49ers, just caveat it, definitely fall into that bottom three or four terrible teams. Yeah, yeah. And that is shocking. That is really shocking. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Should we talk about the rest of the weekend? Let's do it. We've covered a lot. Uh, just finally, to, uh, to look forward and, ref and reflect on what's happened at Wembley over the past three games... Now, uh, we had a few conversations at the press box, and I think, actually, we thought this was quite exclusive information when we got it. And then I watched the BBC coverage back, and Alistair Kirkwood basically said the same thing roundabouts 
on the uh, BBC coverage, but essentially, uh, or the Sky coverage, I don't actually know, uh, but essentially there's not going to be an announcement about the next set of games, probably for two or three weeks. The Mexico game, or possible Mexico game, or likely Mexico game, I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see me doing it, I don't know why I'm doing it, uh, is putting a big spanner in the works, particularly as they are looking to try and up the get the games to four games because they've got to find five teams willing to give up a home game if they're going to put one elsewhere as well Mm -hmm. and let's be honest mexico it's the first opportunity if five teams are going to give up home games other than the fact that we're guaranteed a jags game do you not think that the best of those remaining teams will probably get stuck in mexico i and in fact actually well look if you're an nfl side and you've either got the choice to go to mexico city which is not on a different time zone the border just over the not and all right the flight might be uh, three or four hours, but to and and it's a hundred thousand people, yeah. <laughs> or you have to go all the way over to to London again. Uh, you know, if it, if it's someone, the Packers won't give up a home to, uh, a home game. But if you're uh, the, old, I think a team from the south is most likely. Yeah, I think yeah. Maybe the Texans, maybe somebody like the. Well, I, I can't see who would give up one of like the Falcons, Saints, etc. But a team, from, a team from the South who's likely to pick up Mexican fans, Chargers is ideal. San Diego's literally on the border with Tijuana. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not not slacking off. The London games have been brilliant this year. The best they've ever been organised. The best crowds in terms of overall knowledge of the play, in terms of noise pre-game, in terms of knowing when to be loud, when to be quiet, mm-hmm. everything else. It just gets better and better every year. And it, uh, you know, they've done brilliantly at organising the games. Everything around this year's games have been really, really positive. But they are, of course, going to try and make this the big focus next year. And, and Roger Goodell said at the fan forum on Saturday, he said that they, you know, London's not going to lose any focus. We still want to play more games here. That's what the deal with Tottenham indicates. But the main thing is you've just got to be patient. We'll get the announcement, but we will get the announcement probably like week 11, week 12 in that sort of And um, I'm thinking probably three again. I, uh, well, I, everything I'm hearing is four, but maybe. maybe. Yeah, three again. It works. Three, just, you know, steady the ship. Another game out in Mexico. Three again. I, I think that would make sense. But, uh, hey, uh, I didn't get anything right in my Gridiron hyphen p- uh, magazine Pickums. So what would <laughs> it, I get? It's called the Predictor Game. The Predictor Game on, on that uh, said uh, web address. Um, what do I know? Uh, just quickly before we get onto the games, we did ask on Twitter whether you had any uh, any trades that you had in mind. Tony says Megatron for an early second. He's a Patriots fan. Uh, third and 99 says Total Cloud Cuckoo Land thinking, but Tory Smith to the Packers would do both parties a lot of good. I think that's true. We've just had an absolute blockbuster trade come through. Literally, as we're talking right now... Hit me up. What the is San this? Francisco 49ers agree to trade tight end Vernon Davis to... The Denver Broncos. Whoa! Pick where's fantasy? Where is he? Pick him up quick. He's already played this week. You can't get him into waivers on t- on Tuesday morning. You're literally doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. see it. That's uh, incredible. Owen Daniels hasn't done anything this year. Um, the other guys haven't really stepped up. Vernon Davis. He has a really high ceiling. He's been awful for the last two seasons, but that's an exciting trade. Well, look. There's only one game we can start with. Looking back on the week now, we've heard that. Ah. And that is in the fourth meeting of Team 6-0, and or in only the fourth meeting even, of Teams of 6-0 and, and better, Peyton Manning tied Brett Favre's NFL record with his 186th regular season win. And Denver's defense rattled Aaron Rodgers into one of the worst games of his career as the Broncos went 29-10 and over the Packers on Sunday night. 
Starting off with the Packers, Rodgers just 14 of 22 for 77 yards, go to 6-1, and one, the lowest of his career in a game where he wasn't knocked out by injury. The Broncos improved to 7-0 and for the first time since 1998 when they won the Super Bowl after finishing 14-2. and two. Uh, They absolutely piled it on DeMarcus Ware, uh, sacking Rodgers for the safety. We had uh, rushing touchdowns from CJ Anderson, two for Ronnie Hillman. The fact is the running game's not been able to get going for absolutely ages. What they did to the Broncos was a lot of... It basically looked m- much more like a Manning offense. It was all pistol, all shotgun, which is why Ronnie Hillman's getting a lot more work than he was getting early on. But, and the, Chris Collinsworth pointed this out and was brilliant with it on Sunday night, is that when he sits that extra yardage deep, when he then drops back to hand the ball off, you're then dropping the ball six yards behind the line. Now, when it's only three mm. yards behind the line and you're handing it off to CJ Anderson and he's the power back, that's more ideal. He gets at that head of steam and he goes up the middle. But they were running so many stretch plays, sending Hillman to the outside, gaining five, six yards a time, getting out into touch, doing it again, stretch plays, to outside to the left, outside to the right. The Packers just couldn't deal with it whatsoever. The, f- the drive that got them the first touchdown is the best drive I've seen from Peyton Manning and the Broncos since the Chiefs in week two. Uh, since the drive that ended the first half in that game. They were absolutely brilliant, not just on the defense, but on the offensive side of the ball. Manning still had some bad throws. He overthrew Demaris Thomas about four separate occasions. But the big throw that uh, set up, I think it was Ronnie Hillman's second touchdown, down the left-hand touchline over the top that was about a 40-50 yard ball. That was an incredible throw, and more importantly than anything, a real tight spiral. Mm. And his long ball's recently been waving all over the place. It was more accurate than it had been. It was a tighter spiral. It looks like the bye week and everything else is rest and relief has really, really helped him. And the Broncos, the way they played on Sunday night, I suddenly really fancy them to go and do a job in the playoffs, which I didn't fancy. The Bengals, the Broncos and the Pats are the three best teams in the league and they're all in the AFC. It's amazing, isn't it? And another really highlighting, uh, a highlighted point was that Green Bay whose defence has been lauded so far this season, they didn't get one sack on on Peyton Manning. That Denver Broncos offensive line uh, was outstanding in keeping him upright, keeping Manning uh, able to make those kind of tight spiral balls, you know, those kind of passes. So uh, worrying times for Green Bay. Nothing was coming off on offence. All right, you're going up against probably the best defence in the league in Denver Broncos. Uh, Demarcus Ware, Von, uh, Von Miller's no longer there, uh, but uh, but you know what I mean. It was it was a worrying, worrying game for Aaron Rodgers, the receiving core, uh, Don Capers, uh, Mike McCarthy. Just worrying. I was just just having a look and trying. Like, apparently, it's only for late round picks. Uh, get a sixth round pick in twenty seventeen and a conditional. That's crazy. Uh, by the way, this is live reading yeah. of, a, of a screen of uh, well, Vernon Davis's uh, trade. Uh, to yes, Denver yes. Broncos. Sorry. What's What's amazing is because this has come through live. Uh, Liam Blackburn's got on to us saying thoughts on the Davis trade. Willie, essentially a sixth rounder in 2017. Not happy with the compensation, but I think it's right. He's being moved on. They're obviously just trying to entirely reset that roster. He's in for a. He He got paid like Jimmy Graham and then hasn't performed like Jimmy Graham, basically. So. I don't mind them moving him on. I think it's the right move from a 49ers perspective. But just to add that extra wrinkle to the Broncos, for the first time this year, we saw tight ends used in a big way on Sunday night. Between the two of them, between uh, Virgil Green and Owen Daniels, they caught six passes, 105 yards. You add Davis into that, mm. who's a big a speedster, can get over the middle. That, that, that looks great. That looks phenomenal. Yeah, it really does. really does. Um, very exciting times for the Broncos. And um, who have they got next? Is it the Patriots? So this is how the Broncos' schedule looks coming up. At the Colts, 
Peyton Manning, the improved offense, going back into his old home, then home to the Chiefs at the Bears, and then the Patriots. They're going to go into that Patriots game at 10-0. It's going to happen. Even though we've just said how much we love the Chiefs, the Chiefs have to go to Denver in yeah. Mile High, where they just played so well against the Packers. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. In fact, the Patriots and that, that game could be two 10-0 teams. Two 10-0 teams taking on each other in week 11 of the season. That's, well, they wouldn't take each other on any other week of the season. That'd be ridiculous. But that's mental. What you need to do is play the clip because you're getting hysterical, Will Gavin. <sighs> hysterical! Hysterical! How exciting. That wasn't, was exciting. Be, that wasn't even going to be the first game we talked about this weekend, but it, was, uh, a, 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 it wasn't a cracking game, but it's now so relevant. So let's get on and talk about some of the earlier games. And there are two games from the six o'clock kickoffs that we need to pay attention to in particular. And obviously, <laughs> one of them is the Tennessee Titans. Against the, <laughs> do you know what? I actually forgot that the Titans and the Texans played. I woke up on Monday morning, I went back and started watching the highlights through on uh, Game Pass on my Xbox One. I don't know why I said it like that, as if I was advertising for them. Why? Uh, yeah, you're not <laughs> advertising for add, them. Add me on Xbox One, anybody. Big Will FM, like a radio station, uh, and uh, I'll play you at Madden. But there were two games we needed to pay particular attention to. Do you want to start off with the fun one or the important one? Fun one. The fun one! The third highest scoring game in NFL history. Over a thousand total yards in this game. The most touchdowns ever thrown in a single game at 13. Drew Brees tied the record for the most touchdowns thrown by a single quarterback with seven as the Drew Brees Saints went at home to the New York Giants and won by 52 points to 49. And in a game where the quarterbacks had such phenomenal games, of course it was decided by a four bar field goal of course it was the longest is... of his career though another record broken oh the sweet irony and you just did call them the drew Brees saints yeah that's fine that's amazing that's, that's who they are he passed for a career high of 511 yards and seven touchdowns and the recently signed kai forbath kicked a 52 yard field goal as time ran out giving the saints that 52 to 49 victory eli manning connected on a career high six touchdown passes three to fellow new orleans native odell beckham we said we'd go off big against this terrible defense yeah, you did. but new york fell to four and four after falling for the second time in three games, Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed each had two touchdown catches, and the Saints have won four of their last five after an 0-3 start. That's the big question, Ollie. Do we need to start taking the Saints seriously? I think we do. I think we do. Their defence is sh shredding. Shredding. Well, their defence is awful. Their defence <laughs> is shocking. Um, Delvin Bro. Have you put the gridiron curse on him? I think so. Uh, he did really have a bad game at yeah. the weekend. Yeah, but when you're covering Odell Beckham, who scored three touchdowns, it's very, 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 very difficult. But the Saints offense, wow. I'm about to do something that I haven't done yet this season. Okay. For the first time, I'm looking at the NFL playoff picture. Week eight, any earlier than week eight, it is totally unacceptable. Halfway through the season is when we start to get a real indication and at the moment for the wildcard spot, the Rams at four and three, the Seahawks at four and four, the Saints at four and four are the three best in those positions. That is incredible. Wow. But they're not going to get in there because the fact is the wildcard teams, Vikings five and two, Cardinals six and two, Falcons six and two, Giants four and four are in there because they're winning the NFC East. The Vikings are five and two. Yeah, we'll That's get really that sneaky, isn't it? 
No, yeah, but uh, trust me, the Vikings aren't going to the playoffs. No. I've already made that decision. Uh. <laughs> so basically, if you've not seen this game, I mean, just ridiculous. Odell Beckham had a ludicrous performance. The fact is the Giants running backs do nothing. Two terrible uh, secondaries. Although I said on Sunday night, I like the Giants defense because they're fun to watch and they get a lot of turnovers and they, they concede points. They get a lot of turnovers and they're fun to watch. Why wouldn't you want to see a team that involves the Giants right now? Uh, but 50, oh, it's just 101 points. It's just a bar. Game, it's just isn't insane. It? It's just crazy. They're Would not- you rather watch that or a barnstorming defensive uh, struggle of 20 to 17? The thing is, that's so rare that I'd rather watch that. Yeah. But as a general week on week, I'd, I'd rather watch a 20 to 17 defensive barnstormer with turnovers and intrigue than a game that finishes two touchdowns apart, but you get 70 points. I'd rather watch this game uh, like a tighter game than that game but this game was both tight and high scoring the saints had two 14 point leads in this game and the giants were winning with about six minutes to go it was a crazy game i I was watching red zone i switched it to this game because it was absolutely mental you made the right decision the other big game from the six o'clock games was andy dalton threw touchdown passes with through a touchdown pass with 2.57 to go as the Bengals picked off Ben Roethlisberger twice in the fourth quarter while rallying to a 16-10 victory over the Steelers on Sunday night. The Bengals are 7-0 for the first time in their history and have a comfortable lead in their division. Spending AFC North champion Steelers slipped to 4-4. Four and four. Hope the Roethlisberger's return after missing four games with a sprained knee would kickstart them. After leading most of the game, they fell apart in the closing minutes. Bad Andy turned up here. Yeah, in, he, yeah. he got the red zone interception, which which nearly cost them the game. They managed to get it back. Two picks. I mean, Roethlisberger was getting hit on the second one, and, and so it doesn't he, all go on him, but it goes on him to an extent. He looked very, very rusty, but Andy Dalton had his worst game of the season, and he led a touchdown drive at the death. I know I might stand, sound like I'm standing up for a fellow ginger, but that, to me, is quite a big deal. Yeah, I mean... When you know it's a good team when they play badly, individuals play badly, but they manage to see it through. But the sti- on from the Steelers' point of view, Le'Veon Bell, horrible, horrible. And we said there were so many injuries this weekend, and and so many uh, t- terrible, terrible injuries. But this is probably. Other than, I'd say, Steve Smith at the Ravens, this is probably the one that has the biggest effect on the outcome of this season. D'Angelo Williams had a great couple of games to start the year, but Le'Veon Bell is a game-changer at running back. He's the only guy who is up there in terms of elusiveness with the wonderful Todd Gurley, who is just oh. killing it again. Uh, so this it's a big, big loss. And, and it's another one of my favourites. I mentioned Steve Smith already, and, and as we know from that game... Uh, we don't have to cover these games in too much depth because they don't involve real teams. Oh, uh, <laughs> Steve Smith one. Justin Tucker oh. kicked a 39-yard field goal on the final play of the game to give the Ravens a 29-26 to win over the San Diego Chargers. Flacco threw for 319 yards, but Baltimore moved to 2-6. and six. These are both not very good teams this year, sadly. Steve Smith, we might have seen his last ever snap in the NFL. I think so. The only thing that's changed now is that the Ravens were indicating that they weren't going to trade him this week, and I was obviously banging the table for that Panthers trade, because they thought he might come back next season. Now, he's um, torn his Achilles. It's one of the worst injuries to come back from. can take anywhere from 6 to 12 months. And he's an old man now. But he's a fighter. There is a slim chance we see him back next year. And I really hope we, do, I really hope we get to see Steve Smith suit up one final time. And I'd love it if it was for the Panthers. 
but just a devastating player to use. And my point was, is we've lost Le'Veon Bell, Steve Smith this week, Jamal Charles, Arian Foster, all of my favourite non-49ers players to watch are going down. It's the Will Gavin curse. Who's your other favourite non-49ers? I'm not saying. I'm not naming players. There's no players I like to watch anymore. I hate the NFL. It's terrible. But keep on listening anyway. Yay! Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, scout through a few of these last uh, few six o'clock games then. Uh, one of the key ones, the Arizona Cardinals beat the Cleveland Browns 34-20 to in what Carson Palmer described as the best game he's ever played in. Wow. He threw four touchdown passes, three of them in the second half and 374 yards personally. Palmer had two of those touchdown passes in the third quarter when the Cardinals overcame a 20-10 to 10 halftime deficit. His third touchdown of the second half, a six-yarder to Larry Fitzgerald, gave Arizona a 31-20 to 20 lead. The Browns fell apart like a flan in a cupboard, but Carson Palmer... Played an excellent second half in particular, and this Arizona Cardinals team bouncing back from tough games uh, continue to look like a great, great side. And wow, the NFC West is a fantastic division. Apart from the 49ers. Apart from the 49ers. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the Cardinals were down at the half in that game, and uh, Arians apparently tore, him, tore a strip off them. Uh, Louis, um, uh, Larry Fitzgerald said that um, he challenged the team to to come out and and prove everybody wrong they can come back in in the dog pound and they did and actually it was it was a really fun game to watch i love the japanese fighting fish let's move on and talk about there's four more games from the six o'clock two of them are relevant two of them very much not so adrian peterson ran for 103 yards and blair walsh kicked a 36 yard field goal just as time expired as the vikings won 23 20 over the chicago bears on sunday and this was a prime example of what we were saying about the vikings last week is they can win because their defense is playing really well and because they've got adrian peterson although he's had a couple of down games they can win when adrian peterson's not playing well and this week they managed to win when teddy Bridgewater wasn't playing very well. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played well all season. (laughs) I I just don't get it. I just Uh, don't get it. He threw. He was seventeen for thirty, hundred and eighty-seven yards, and obviously he had the touchdown, the late score, which put them back level. Stefan Diggs turned a short pass into a forty-yard touchdown and had an incredible celebration. He'd obviously had a frustrating day and just looked brilliant on that. The only thing I will say about this is the Chicago Bears were a better football team than the San Francisco Forty Niners. Oh no. There are a lot of Bears fans out there who give me a lot of stick on Twitter and I'm going to hold my hands up and say the Bears are better than the 49ers because Jay Cutler has come back and looked really good. Yeah, he has, hasn't he? Best he's looked since the big Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall year. Uh, generally impressed with him. Would you I swap mean, I still Colin think... Kaepernick for Jay Cutler? No, but only because I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I, I might stop supporting the 49ers if they trade for Jay Cutler in the summer. Would you then go and support... Green Bay? You'd be a Pats Only fan. one team. Only one team. Jags. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, good They man. would get my love. I'd get an yeah. Alan Robertson jersey immediately. It would be great. Uh, Alton Jeffrey was dominant again for the Bears, it should be pointed out. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just a shame to have to admit that the Bears are good. It is. A team which lost in a tough situation whilst looking to get a playoff place. The Atlanta Falcons, despite managing to come back from a 17-point halftime deficit, managed to lose at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A 31-yard field goal from Connor Bath in overtime. And the Atlanta Falcons... <laughs> so frustrating. I love it when they get going. Matt Ryan tying the game for the Falcons with an 8-yard touchdown pass to Julio Jones with 17 points left in the game. I really thought they turned it around. 
They squandered a 24-point against the Washington Redskins. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers squandered 24 points against Washington. I really thought the Falcons were going to do it, and then to lose in that situation, it was horrible. Horrible! Jameis Winston looked all right. He did look all right. Didn't turn the ball over. Didn't turn the ball over. And you know one of my favourite things in the NFL is when players of positions do things that they're not meant to do. And I don't know whether you saw this, but on a Doug Martin um, goal line uh, rush... Who was his one of his lead blockers? Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, you 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 really love that one. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Punters making tackles, um, offensive linemen catching the ball, and quarterbacks putting their body on the line. Jay, I oh, love that kind of stuff. He, I mean, there were times he wasn't consistently accurate. He short-armed a potential game-winning score and threw one pass right at the Falcons that they dropped that should have been an inception. But he had big throws on that overtime drive. They moved to three and four. They're exciting to watch again. And ridiculously for the Falcons, they've won some really... They won games with some really bad Matt Ryan performances. He was brilliant, particularly in the second half. 397 yards, two touchdowns. Other than the one ugly pick, he was very, very sharp and looked really good. And they lost. So I'm concerned for the Falcons going forward. They're a frustrating team to watch. Two games that we can gloss over. Basically, the 49ers lost in a big way to the Rams. Talk to me about Gurley, though. Todd Gurley, 133 yards, 20 carries, another score. Ludicrous oh, my being. God. Absolutely he's so good. Human being. Do you, uh, I would love to see him on a primetime game for Sky. Including that 71-yard touchdown run. Absolutely ridiculous. Tavon Austin caught a 66-yard touchdown pass and ran for a two-yard score of his own. The 49ers managed to cut Jared Hayne last week, then lost Reggie Bush to an injury. They haven't scored a touchdown in the last two games. They're 2-6, and six, and they might be the worst team in football right now. Are they going to re-sign Hayne, do you think? I, I, I was saying at the weekend, I think they'll re-sign him to the practice squad, no matter what. But they might now need to sign him as an actual running back. Do you know how bad it's got in San Francisco? Not only have they traded away Vernon Davis, Ben Tate is currently, literally now, in the facility having a, a, a tryout. You know who's got a home in the Bay Area? And I saw the, his jersey this weekend. <laughs> you, did, you, you, mentioned the, you mentioned he shall not be named. Formerly of the Oakland Raiders, Cleveland Browns, and uh, Indianapolis Colts. I'm sure you can work out who it is from that. You disgust me. <laughs> that game was only slightly more relevant than this other game because it had Todd Gurley in it. And actually, because the Rams looked like they might go on a playoff run. I did say it last if he week. Signed, if he signed. I said it last week. Yeah, you did the, say I it. think I said it a week before that as well. I think the Rams are doing really well. You're dodging the question. If he did sign for the San Francisco 49ers, would you then stop supporting him? <laughs> no, it's not Jay Cutler level. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But it's, it's, it's not Jay Cutler. <laughs> that should be our. That should that should be our slogan. It's bad, but it's not Jay Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> the Gridiron Show. It's bad, but it's not Jay Cutler. So here's the other game that uh, we wanted to talk about. The Texans managed to sack the Titans seven times in a twenty to six victory in a game which I forgot had been played. I know I mentioned that earlier, but genuinely, I got onto my <sighs> console. I started to watch the highlights from the night before, and that game came up as the next game, and I literally went. Oh, the Texans were playing last night. I will try watch Red Zone the whole time I was in the Hippodrome. We need to mention, actually, in the Hippodrome, Cal, Josh, um, uh, Marshall, uh, Josh's lovely girlfriend slash wife. I didn't really establish that. Marshall's friend, who seemed very lovely as well. Bunch of guys came up to see us. It was really lovely. Came and shook hands, had a chat to us, nice. talked some football had a few beers with us so that was really great fun sherry was there the great bandini me and paolo are going to have a hot dog eating challenge 
Have you seen they do the twenty pounds three foot long hot yes. dogs, and if you eat it all in ten minutes, you get a free pair. You get that for free and a free pitcher of beer. We watched a guy doing it, and me and Paolo both think we could finish that. Apparently, one of the sausages is super spicy. That's the only thing that makes me go, ooh. Yeah, but you're right with spicy food. I am, but I know what the buffalo wings there did to me. <laughs> they literally turned me inside out. <laughs> <Stay on. laughs> I'm sorry. I love buffalo I'd wings. I'd rather talk about that than the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> inside out. <laughs> So we've talked about the late, late game, but there were two games being played at nine o'clock. Start off with the uh, live game on Sky as it was. Derek Carr threw for 333 yards and four touchdowns to help Oakland pick apart the New York Jets' vaunted defense. Vaunted by me and you. We loved them. They weren't very good in Oakland in the 34-20 victory Sunday that genuinely announced the Raiders as legitimate contenders in the AFC. They go to Pittsburgh next week, a Pittsburgh Steelers team without Le'Veon Bell. They look good in the pass rush. They're stopping the run. Their secondary's not great, but they're, they're connecting on passes downfield. Latavius Murray had his second 100-yard game of the season. The Raiders could go to Pittsburgh and win and be a really relevant team. The Raiders don't travel east well. I don't care. The Raiders don't do anything well for the last eight <laughs> yeah. or nine years. So any stats from that period of time, just throw them out. This is a new Raiders team. They are coming. You love the In Raiders. In fact, <laughs> once Sherry had had a few beers, every time the Raiders did something good on Sunday, I kept going, the Raiders are coming, aren't they? <laughs> the Raiders are, it felt like I was in Game of Thrones. <laughs> the <laughs> Raiders are coming. The Raiders are coming. Ooh. Yeah. So I, I, I loved watching the Raiders on Sunday Hashtag. Night. The Raiders are coming. Uh, another shame on the injury front. Ryan Fitzpatrick left with that injury, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, that could be a real problem. And a big shout. Another thing we did say on last week's show: Michael Crabtree's looked really good, and he had a huge game for the Raiders. Andre today. Holmes as well. So just let's just pass ourselves on the back some more because we don't do enough of that already. <laughs> uh, the final game to speak about is the Dallas Cowboys sliding to a fifth straight defeat without Tony Romo. They got Des back this weekend. Uh, Russell Wilson had a scoring pass for the game's only touchdown and directed a late drive for a winning field goal as the Seahawks beat the Dallas Cowboys 13-12 to on Sunday. The defending NFC champions are back at 500, 4-4 four four after an 0-2 start. The Cowboys slipped to 2-5. and Look, The Seahawks started the decisive drive on their own 15 and Wilson converted third downs, capped, had a good scramble, uh, looked really, really good overall. Uh, we should mention Ricardo Lockett, another guy out for the season. It was a, a nasty, it was, it wasn't a nasty hit. It was a perfectly legal hit, but he literally crumpled to the ground. He was out cold immediately, had to be carried off the field. It wasn't nice. He's going to have to have neck surgery, which is going to end his season. It's, it's a shame. Is this like a, a Jermichael Finley kind of situation? No, it's not as bad as that from what we understand. But actually with Jermichael Finley, we didn't find that out straight away. It yeah. took a little while for that to dribble through that he was going to be out for so long. And then eventually what proved to be career ending as far as we're aware. Um, so Des Bryant was back, but basically did nothing in this game, par- catching passes off Matt Castle. I don't think that's really a surprise. I do have to say that the Seahawks offense they might have the worst offensive line in football san diego probably have something to say about that but i just i other than that last drive russell wilson did nothing to impress me marshawn lynch had a another game of sub four yards he ran 21 carries 71 yards 3.4 average he's only had one good game this season russell wilson's only had one or two good games this season Mm. that's where the real concern is for me i think the defense has stepped back up they held the cowboys to four field goals on the night despite the cowboys getting some decent running, particularly actually Castle had four for 43 on the ground. But 
yeah, all in all, the Seahawks' offense is a worry, and they'll come up against much better teams. And I still feel like there's a chance they don't go to the playoffs. Well, that uh, Rams-Seahawks game uh, a little later on in the season is going to be really, really sexy. Absolutely. And Marshall Lynch, 375 yards off 103 carries this season. That's 3.64. That, that's not good enough. Again, it's not Trent Richardson territory, but he's a player who, when you've paid him £10 million for the season as a running back, you expect to get better production out of him than that. I know the offensive line is not creating the gaps, not creating the holes, but a guy that, yeah, as you said, is paid that but, amount. But he's a, t- he's a really tough runner, and he made one of the most ridiculous decisions. I, I think I, I know that the Seahawks went to win, but he stepped out of bounds at 2.07 rather than letting the clock run down to the two-minute warning and, and hitting the ground. And that's just the sort of thing that Marshall Lynch does. He makes these silly decisions. He's such a great runner. And he just does these things that you're just banging your head against a wall. There's every chance that if the Cowboys hadn't come out and just completely blown that final drive apart, if they basically didn't have Matt Castle under centre, if they had somebody else there, Brandon Whedon, they could definitely have driven and got the field goal, no problem. They gave them more than enough time. They had over a minute to do to make that drive, starting at their own twenty. Lynch made a real mistake there. Seven seconds can make all the difference. And yeah, I, I know I might bag on the Seahawks a bit at times, but that. Four and four, they're fortunate to be in that position. And actually, they're going on a bye week. They've got three home games consecutively after that. They are a lucky, lucky team to be facing the Cardinals, 49ers and Steelers all at home. They'll probably make the playoffs based on the strength of the rest of their schedule. But they're not a team who'll go to the Super Bowl playing like they're playing now. No, no. And, uh, well, we don't want to see them back at the Super Bowl. But, might, yeah. but once you get them in those playoffs, if they make the playoffs, you, they're, they're, I hate the, the expression, but they're a sneaky good team. Because be, they, will, be. they will be competitive when it's down to football that actually matters. I think they're most likely a wildcard team, which puts them on the road. I think it, on the road in Carolina, at the road in Lambeau, uh, on the road in who else is going to be near, uh, near the top of the NFC. Any of those teams, really, I, I think they'll really struggle. Rams, maybe. Oh, that would be exciting. Yeah, wouldn't it? A replay of that game. Yeah. Ooh, all the special teams. <laughs> I, really, I really floated your boat <laughs> twice there just by saying the Rams. <laughs> oh, God. What's happened to me? You're an absolute disgrace. I am a disgrace. I'm so sorry. Um, this uh, this was slightly blown apart by that fantastic trade news, and I apologise for that. Uh, that. That kind of made me fall apart in the middle of the pod. But otherwise, I think we managed to cover all our bases. I think we're all good. Is there anything we didn't cover? Is there anything you wanted to talk about from the weekend? Anything else exciting? No, no, no. I think I, it, I'm fine. You? <laughs> no. I mean, is there any great dating stories you want to tell? Are there any no, no, but th- look, little missives from your life? Anything you want to uh, share I, with us? No, basically, I've just been working working far far too much i had literally the laziest day in the world today i got up i helped sarah get off school she's been on half term she's a teacher not a child just making sure uh i helped her get off to school and then i watched the walking dead i watched a load of nfl games did, did, i'm not gonna tell you anything about the walking Dead. okay phew so i mean but one thing i will tell you about the walking dead and what they're doing this so, season whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no 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 i did nothing to do with plot or anything but what they're doing this season is phenomenal it's actually the best season of The Walking Dead by a mile and a half. And it's weird to say this because a lot of people went off lost in a big way. But they're very much going into this. The whole four episodes have only advanced the timeline from where we start, ended the last season by about 36 hours. Wow. We're seeing a lot of flashback stuff, hence the kind of lost connection. But you know the two... But it's not mad you flashbacks. Know the, you know the two cliffhangers from... The, you know, 
in the second episode, we had a big cliffhanger and they didn't actually go back to it. In the next <gasps> yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. They do the same again this week. Oh, man. And, and they're leaving us hanging and they make it so exciting. Okay, I need to watch those. I'll go home now and watch them and then we can chat about it good good man right uh if there's anything you want to get in touch with us do do so at gridiron on twitter i'm at will gav he is at ollie hunter with a y uh thanks making sure to point that out um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i who's the guy i've been tweeting then (laughs) (laughs) all that abuse i wonder why you don't follow me you allow me to just abuse another man on twitter (laughs) i wondered why he looked about 14 in the picture and you look about 80 in yours normally uh, you can get, hey. go online, gridiron-magazine.com. Go do the predictor game on there. You can read all the fantastic articles that are there. You have now missed the deadline for the chance to subscribe to the magazine before uh. getting entered into our AFC and NFC Championship game. Uh, tickets, giveaway, tickets, flights, accommodation and everything. So uh, I'll speak to the guys at Gridiron and I will find out exactly when we're going to announce the winner of that competition and we'll let them know as soon as possible. We'll make a big announcement on the pod. Maybe we'll get them on over the phone. Maybe we'll call them live. Wow, to break the news. I'm making far too many promises here that I have no guarantee we can keep. But that would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. Let's speak to Sherry after this. Uh, so, yeah, get in touch with us. We We'd really, to. really love to hear from you, as always. Uh, do go out and check out Sports Travel Tours. They're giving us that fantastic prize for one of our subscribers. Uh, and they're also you know, helping us to the Super Bowl, organising a trip with us. They're great people to have a partnership with. Mm. We really enjoy working with Andrew and all the guys there. Uh, and, yeah, just, just hit us up. There's so much exciting football to talk about. We'll come back on with an episode on Friday morning. Look at the Thursday night game, which we didn't even preview. What even is the Thursday? Oh, it's uh, Bengals at Browns. Bengals win. Yeah, Bengals win. Fine, done. We, we previewed the Thursday night game. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll review the Thursday night game. Uh, we'll look forward to all the weekend's games. We'll talk about any other blockbuster trades that happen. Otherwise, Ollie, any genuine final words? No, time? let's go. Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. We love you. situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes against all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now.